Brian Miller here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Thursday Thoughts, all about saying yes before you're ready. I was a second semester junior in college, a philosophy major whose paper had been accepted for an international undergraduate philosophy conference, and I had never been to a single philosophy club meeting. Professor, how come the philosophy department faculty never talk about philosophy club? I don't even know where or when they meet. Well, the philosophy department doesn't have a great relationship with philosophy club. Enigmatic, right? I asked around and eventually found a friend in the political science department who, for some reason, regularly attended philosophy club meetings. So that week I tagged along at his invitation. We walked as far across campus as was literally possible, and entered a darkened basement of a building I barely recognized. Down the corridor, I could see one small conference room with a light on. It was exciting. So down the rabbit hole we went, right? Well, what began as a curiosity in high school had by this point morphed into an obsession. My high school history teacher offered a philosophy elective for upperclassmen. It was there he uttered the phrase that would forever change my life. Philosophy is not about answering questions. It is about questioning answers. In that moment before entering the conference room, I was just weeks away from winning the aforementioned International Philosophy Conference's most prestigious award, a feat I would duplicate the following year, becoming the first student in the conference's history to win it two years in a row, and throwing me into the deep end of an academic pool that I would spend the next year learning to navigate en route to a PhD. So like, I was serious about this. I pushed open the heavy, squeaky door with anticipation to discover a bunch of homely-looking students laying on the floor and hanging off of the conference table, gorging themselves on cheap, greasy pizza and chips, guzzling soda out of red Solo cups, and talking about how drunk they were going to get that weekend. Not exactly the Agora. The meeting began, and honestly, it didn't get much better. I introduced myself to others, and they to me. It became clear that I was the only philosophy major in the room, which seemed impossible. In that moment, I understood why the philosophy faculty had distanced themselves from their own department's official club. It had been co-opted by lazy students from other departments who leveraged the club's budget for free snacks and contributed nothing to philosophy. Bummer. And yet there's always opportunity amidst chaos. Just before I tuned out completely, the door opened again and a latecomer entered. I know him. He was a senior about to graduate, and more importantly, he was an actual philosophy major, a particularly bright one at that that I I looked up to. Hey, Brian, he said during a break from, I don't know, a break from nothing in particular. (laughs) He said, I didn't expect to see you here. It's not often we get actual philosophy majors. I was like, yeah, I I thought I'd check it out, but like, Is this it? Yeah, Uh, unfortunately, this club really went to hell. A few years back when I was a freshman, he said, it was amazing, but there's been a lack of serious philosophy students for a few years until your class. Now that was true. My class, by pure chance, by luck, had probably a dozen seriously brilliant philosophy majors. He said, we need someone to take back this club. Let's get out of here and talk about it. So outside under shadowy street lamps, He made his case. You, he's pointing at me, you should run for president of philosophy club. What? 
<laughs> Honestly, I was startled. You can't be serious. I've only barely attended one meeting. I don't know anything about this club or how to run it. You don't have to, he said. They're not running it either. I've seen you around the department. Professors are talking about you. Whatever you do will be better than that. Well, who's going to vote for me? I mean, they don't know me, and they, they seem really happy doing whatever it is they're doing. He said, ah, but that's the thing. They're lazy. The current president, he made air quotes at president, <laughs> is graduating in a few weeks. Club bylaws state a new president must be elected by vote in order to secure funding and keep their status as a club. But no one in that room is going to run because they don't care enough. Just show up at the meeting, and when they come to the vote, announce your candidacy. Give a one-minute speech about what you're going to do as president, blah, 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 and then I'll vote for you. Even if no one else votes for you, it won't matter because no one else is running. And that's exactly what we did. This chapter is called Making Enemies. Fresh off the heels of my decisive one-vote victory as president, I think I got a second vote from someone who liked me, uh, I got to work. We had three precious meetings left before the end of the semester. I mean, technically, I wouldn't really be president until the start of the fall semester, but again, no one else was doing it, so I may as well. I feverishly typed up a proposed meeting agenda, emailed it out to the board and the existing members. I was excited, but when I arrived at that week's meeting, I was met with mostly confusion. Uh, Brian, we don't know anything about any of this. What's metaphysics? What's epistemology? I was like, did you read the excerpts I sent you? And they're like, well, well, no. I mean, I, like I was busy. I, I looked at it, but I, it looked hard. I, I, I thought philosophy was just hanging out and talking about stuff. And there it was. No, it's not. Philosophy is a wonderful and very exciting field. We're going to do real philosophy in this club from now on. Who wants to read the first excerpt aloud? Then we can discuss. I lost half the group at our first break, and when I arrived at the following meeting, I found only a small handful of students. At first, I was pretty disappointed. Where did I go wrong? This is real philosophy. That's what this club should be about, I'm thinking. And then it happened. I realized the students in the room weren't the faces I usually saw. They were mostly philosophy majors, and some folks who were considering switching into philosophy or maybe picking it up as a minor. In other words, the students that showed up the second week were actually interested in philosophy. That night, we had a detailed group discussion that lasted hours. It was engaging, energizing, and all around spectacular. After the summer break, the word spread and the group grew. Philosophy department faculty began attending our meetings and even promoting the club to intro students. Which brings me to the main point. The answer is always yes. Too many kids are taught to avoid failure. Far worse than failing at the finish is failing even to start. There's always going to be one more thing you need to learn, one more book to read, one more course to take, one more TED Talk to watch, and then, and then you'll finally be ready. But you won't be. You'll never be truly ready to do something extraordinary. The only difference between those who make change and those who do not is the courage to say yes first and figure it out later. Obviously, if you're going to jump out of a plane, you should take a safety class and wear a parachute. But then? Jump. Life rewards those who take risks. Not risks to our health and safety, like wear a mask, but emotional risks, artistic risks, business risks, conversational risks. You'll fail far more often than you succeed. But the math is on your side. 
for the person who succeeds only one out of a hundred times is infinitely more successful than the person who fails zero out of zero times. Literally. When I applied to PhD programs, my mentor and undergraduate thesis advisor at the time wrote me a recommendation I'll cherish for the rest of my life. He said many wonderful, kind things, but one of the passages I'm proud of the most is this. Brian is the president of the Philosophy Club, and since becoming president in September of this year, has worked to make the club the most active it has been in a number of years. It was a single sentence and hardly the most effusive in a glowing 1,800-word letter of recommendation that concluded, although I have advised and written letters of recommendation for students who've gone on to complete successful PhD programs in philosophy and have had students go on to complete law degrees at excellent law schools, I cannot think of a student who better represents this college with his unique combination of academic excellence, a diverse set of non-academic activities, and personal character. It is an honor to have been asked to write this letter for such an exceptional student. I recommend his admission to your graduate program enthusiastically and without qualification. And yet, I know the only reason I earned that final paragraph is a lifetime of saying yes to the question. Which question? Any question. P.S. For what it's worth, seven of the eight grad schools I applied to rejected my application outright. With a 4.0 GPA, two international awards for original work in philosophy, literally dozens of departmental and campus-wide awards for academic achievement, and that letter of recommendation. The one grad school that accepted me only did so on the grounds that I would shift my focus from philosophy of language to traditional metaphysics, of which I had very little interest. So I said yes to myself, and I pursued a full-time career as a self-employed magician, figuring it out as I went. That led to my viral TEDx talk, which launched my career as a human connection specialist, which eventually landed me on global stages, giving keynote presentations ahead of PhDs who would often approach me privately and admit that they were nervous to follow me, me a former magician with a bachelor's degree and no other qualifications. It's funny how life works out when you're willing to take risks. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Thursday Thoughts. But before you go, speaking of saying yes before you're ready, you are probably not ready to start a podcast, but you should anyway. Jump in our podcast accelerator course. It's called Launch Your Podcast in seven days. And guess what? You can start anytime. It's not like you have to start today or start tomorrow. Start anytime. But if you follow the course, you will have launched your podcast exactly one week after the day that you start the course. And there's a lot of reasons why you might not have started a podcast. You might be uh, afraid of finding your voice or think you have nothing interesting to say. You might be afraid of the tech or think it's going to be too expensive or any number of different things. But we cover all of that in the course. In fact, you don't need to spend a single dollar on a new piece of gear. All you need is your smartphone and the willingness to say yes before you're ready. You too can be a podcaster and join this incredible community because really the best time to start a podcast was five years ago, as Seth Godin says, but the second best time is today. Stop stalling, start making. Join us in the Podcast Accelerator course at the link in the description. It's only $37. You'll thank me for the rest of your life. 
That said, my name is Brian Miller. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And always remember, our world is a shared experience. Every interaction is meaningful and every person you meet, even virtually, is important. We'll see you soon. Thank you.